was C.S. Lewis who said, the whole world is bankrupt. It's just that not everyone has declared bankruptcy yet. The whole world is bankrupt. It's just that not everyone has declared bankruptcy yet. You know, when I read that, I kept thinking of an old chorus that we used to sing in the church in the 70s, and it was just a simple chorus that said, he paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. That's the message of the cross. And it's only way that it is effective is by declaring bankruptcy because we cannot pay the sin debt. And that's where I want to lead you today as we begin to deal with this whole issue of understanding that it is time to declare bankruptcy. We don't have the capability of meeting or paying for the sin debt that we are faced with. Let me tell you a story that I just read a few years ago by a young man named Hayden Carlo who lived in a small town just outside of Texas. He was a young man that got a speeding ticket and his speeding ticket went viral. And Hayden drove every day to work for about a two-month period without insurance and without a registration. He was driving to a minimum wage job because he lost the only job because of a, a failing town that he was in. It was the only job he knew. And he was trying to make ends meet for his new family, for his new child. He couldn't afford, barely could afford to pay the bills um, at home. And to add car insurance and car registration would just literally bury the young family. So they had to make a choice and a sacrifice. And he and his wife decided, let's just take a chance and just drive without insurance and drive without a registration. And then it happened. One day, as they were driving, they saw the red light behind him. And he pulled him over, and he heard the officer say, as many of us have here, license and registration, please. And Hayden came clearly, immediately. And he just simply came, became, uh, went clean immediately. And just simply said, officer, I have to tell you, I don't have an insurance. I don't have a registration. I, I can't afford it. And, and literally, with tears in his eyes, he said, we, we chose food over insurance, and we chose to keep the lights on. I'm guilty. I, I, I have no excuse. It's been hard. And explain to him in a few moments, just to this officer, what they've gone through. The officer just stared at him, took Hayden's license, and came back after a few minutes and handed him a ticket. Now, why would a ticket go viral online? Hayden broke the law. Hayden deserved the ticket, and what's incredible is that Hayden broke the law, and he needed to pay for it, but the problem was he couldn't pay for it. With his head down and feeling like a failure, the story said Hayden opened up the ticket and to look at what he was charged for, and there it was. He was charged and cited for no registration, cited for no insurance, and cited for speeding. One and as he opened up the ticket, all those things were in there, and so was a $100 bill that the police officer put in there to pay for Hayden's citation. What an amazing story to realize that Hayden had a problem. He broke the law. He had a bigger problem. He couldn't pay for his trespass, but the greatest blessing was someone paid it for him. Folks, as I read that story, I kept thinking that the entire world that we live in has received the citation from God. Here's the offense. We are sinners. Here's the problem. We can't pay it, and we can't even fix it. But here's the blessing. When you realize that, the citation that we receive is dipped in the red blood of Jesus Christ for every single one of us today. That if you look close enough, it's not a $100 bill, but it's a Savior on a cross that has paid the price for both you and for me today. Thank you, Jesus. It was, and, and that's why the cross is so important. Oswald Chambers, the great devotional writer and missionary, said this about the cross. He said, all of heaven is fixed on the cross of Christ. All of hell is afraid of it, but humanity are the only ones to ignore it. And folks, I have to tell you, we will not ignore the cross of Jesus here. Folks, it's fitting. 
that the first letter of worldview, A to Z, is A, the atonement. The atonement is the cross. That's what the atonement is all about. How, how, how is that, Pastor Tim? How are those two words the same? See, the word atonement means taking an action to amend a wrong that has been done. That's what the cross has done. It's taken an action to fix, really, the offense, the trespass, the citation, and that's what the cross has done. The cross, the atonement, is the cross. When you, it's whatever you do to fix something, to amend something, to reconcile something, it's an atonement. When you apologize for doing something wrong, that's an act of atonement. See, the cross is the action taken by God to fix the wrong that has been done by us, that we are the ones that have caused the problem, caused the damage, but God comes in and fixes it for us. I have to tell you, when I was, when I was writing this, my mind went back as I was thinking about damage caused and paid for by another. I was thinking we are just not too long ago, my family and I were at a restaurant and we were just finishing up our meal. And I noticed that the waitress brought our check um, and then took it away and then brought it back again. And I'm just thinking, oh my, it's going to be, I, I don't know, she forgot something, what, what's going on here? And then she placed the check on the table and she said, somebody in the restaurant has paid your, for your, your bill. You're all set. You can go. I was thinking, what? I said, who? She goes, can't tell you. Just, you can go. Folks, I'm just, I had the strangest feeling sitting there that there was nothing I could do. I said, well, can I pay the tip? It's already been taken care of. You can go. Like, I couldn't believe it, I, that, that we are sitting there eating all the food, and, and now someone has taken care of it. I mean, think of it this way. Talk about the, this, this issue of the cross. The wrong that was done was done by my four children as they ate like wolves. They, they, they just went after the meal and just ate. And, and I'm going, they, 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 they went right after. The atonement was someone paid the bill or the bill was paid. But the grace, the miracle, the blessing was someone else paid it. Think of it this way. We did the damage, or they did. It was our fault but someone else fixed it for us. That's the cross. We did the damage, but God sent his son to fix it for us. All we had to do was trust that someone paid it, someone fixed it, someone used their resources. That's the challenge, to trust that we don't owe anything, to trust that something has already been done Something has already been paid. Someone has already stepped up and said, let me fix the problems you have caused. That's the cross of Jesus. That's the atonement. It was the great British writer, G.K. Chesterton, who said it like this. He says, it's never been quite right to say that God is in heaven and all is right with the world. And I love this. He goes, the big rumor is that God has left heaven to set things right. Folks, can I give you good news? It's not a rumor. It's a reality. God, 2,000 years ago, left heaven to set things right. I just have to tell you, I have to pause here just for a second. If you see me lean this way, they are way more excited on this side than you are over here. So unless you get it right in the center and stuff, I, I will be leaning towards my right. And if, you're, if it's in the balcony... I could be dangerous, but I, I will lean towards my right today unless some of you step it up. See, here, here is the mess humanity is in. Whether you're watching from China or whether you're watching from South Africa, whether you're watching from the Philippines or you're here in person, we're all in the same mess. Here, here is what the mess is. One, God hates sin. Number two, Sin is the condition of the people that he's created in love. It's the condition we're all in. Sin is inside of every single one of us. So here's the impasse that God has. Here it is. That what God passionately hates, sin, is in those he passionately loves. That's the impasse. How do you fix that? That what God 
furiously hates is in those people that he passionately loves. How do you fix that issue? That's the impasse. That's, that's where the atonement comes in. That's the, the, the incredible mind of God that his ways are higher than even all of us and what God does. How does God deal with the people he loves in the condition that he hates? I just kept thinking about that. My, as I kept going, God, how do we explain that? My mind went back to an old song. Um, I grew up in the church, and so I'm so thankful. So whether, whether we're singing um, gospel or whether we're singing some of the new songs or whether it's Mama May who's going back and forth, um, she told me, in the, she did the same thing here. She just, she goes, um, don't worry, I'm going to do the short version of this song. So, um, And so, I, I mean, just, I, I love watching her get excited. I love the choir. But can I just tell you my soft spot? My soft spot is when you sing the old hymns of the church. That's just me. I'm not saying some people use that as, as, as kind of this, this hammer to go, it's the only the hymns. I'm just telling you, I grew up on the hymns, so I just, so when Ricardo began to sing at the cross, or we began to sing uh, the, the, the song, uh, What Can Wash Away My Sins. Something interacts. Because there's doctrine in those songs. There's something that's deep. There's something where they develop from. Nothing, nothing against any of the other songs. But my mind just goes back there. And then when I was praying, I'm going, God, how do I explain the dilemma? How do I explain the impasse that God, you, you are, you are, that you faced because what you furiously hate is in those, us, that you passionately love. And my mind went back to an old hymn that we used to sing um, in the church. How many have, have ever heard this? The, the chorus goes like this. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multi. How many have heard that one before? There you go. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Okay, I, one great thing about this church is you can sing, but you can't clap. So let me just help you with this, okay? So it goes like this. It goes, mercy there was great and great. There you go. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my... There my burden so found liberty at... Okay, the verse goes like this. Years I spent. Okay, here's the verse. Years I spent. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring, crucified, knowing not, knowing not it was for me he died. On Calvo, sing the chorus now. Mercy, there was great. Sing it loud now. Come on. Was pardon. There. Okay, you got to sing the second verse. Okay, this is the part I want. This is the part I thought about. Come on, sing the second verse by God's word. By God's word at last my sin I learned. Then I trembled at the law I'd spurned. Till my guilty, till my guilty soul imploring turned to Cal. One more time, the chorus. Mercy there was grace. Mercy. Pardon. There my burdened soul at Calvary. Hallelujah. Now don't say anything, but you're way better than the 10 o'clock service and you're singing and you're clapping. Don't tell anybody. But it was that second verse. It was the second verse and it simply said this, by God's word at last, my sin I learned. It, it is the hymn writer that's telling us 
how important it is that we dive into the scriptures. That's the series, the Bible says, a biblical worldview. It's, it's, let, let me just, um, let me dive into these passages for just a second because I want to show you that by God's word at last, my sin I learn. Here, here's, let me give you the first verse. Let's dive into this for just a second. You know the verse, say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish everlasting life. John 3, 16. This is God's love towards this world, towards every one of you that's here. What makes God's love absolutely amazing is what Romans 5 says. He didn't love us because we were lovable. In fact, the Bible says it's the very opposite. We were enemies of God, and he loved us. In fact, you could be sitting here today. Can I just remind you? You could be an atheist and an agnostic, and here's good news for you. God loves you today. You could be here today, and you could be on the verge of a divorce. You could be watching online, and you are literally, while you're online, there's an addiction in your life, and I'm here to tell you, God loves you. God loves you today. He loves the world so much is what we're told in John 3.16. But here is what he's faced with. The God who loves us, now we have to get this, by God's word at last, the, 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 at last my sin I learned. The God who loves us hates sin and evil. Look at Habakkuk 1.13. They speak about God's character and says, God, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You can't tolerate wrongdoing. God can't even turn his eyes towards sin. But here's the problem. It's Romans 3.23. Look at the words. For all have sinned. So the people that God loves, the people that, that, that moves his heart are filled. All of us are in sin. In fact, Romans 3.10 says it this way. As it is written, there is none righteous no, not one. Folks, think about it. God loves the world, but he can't look at sin. And all of the world that he loves is in sin. That's the impasse. So what has that sin done between God and humanity? Well, Isaiah 59 begins to give it to us. He says, by your iniquities, that sin have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. This is incredible that the condition of the people he loves are separated from God who loves them. That's how dangerous, that's how deep this is. And that's why the cross is so important, church. It's understanding the issue of sin. It's understanding what sin does and what it's all about because you can't remove sin. There's it's, it's that old hymn, probably the most famous hymn in the church, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound, come on, say the next words, that saved, okay, they are now rewriting that hymn and they, because people don't like the word wretch. So they're removing wretch like me and changing it to saved and set me free because they're uncomfortable with the idea of the wretchedness of sin. Folks, don't miss this. When you lessen sin, then you lessen the cross. Or let me say it to you like this, jot this down, this is important. If there's no sin, then there's no need for the cross. That's why if men can eradicate it and come up with different names for sin, it's a shortcoming, it's a problem, um, it's a dysfunction. Folks, we can come up with all these names, but if you don't begin to see it as sin, there's no need for the cross. See, then, here it comes, the remedy means little if the disease is denied. And the disease is sin, and the remedy is the cross of Jesus Christ. That's really what it is. So we have to understand how important this is. That's why when you begin to understand this, one of the worst crimes of humanity is to try to fix this separation on your own. It's to try to come up with another way to make ourselves pleasing to God. Oh, that's why I love what the great 19th century evangelist reminds us of as 
he speaks, D.L. Moody speaks about the thief on the cross as he's hanging next to Jesus and Jesus looks at him and says, today you'll be with me in paradise. D.L. Moody says this about, about us not being able to fix it ourselves. Listen to what he says. He says, the thief had nails through both hands so that he could not work. A nail through his feet so he couldn't run errands for the Lord. He couldn't lift a hand or a foot towards his salvation. And yet Christ offered him the gift of God and he took it. Christ threw him a passport and took him to paradise. Hallelujah. That's the miracle. That he couldn't get there on his own. He couldn't fix himself. Always remember this church. Listen, God without man is still God. Man without God is nothing. We need God to fix the condition that we're in because we can't fix it on our own. That's the problem. Man can't fix it, but God makes a way. So he throws, the, the, the writer John, the apostle John, throws us the answer to all this on how God comes and fixes it. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. As the apostle says, he says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And here it comes. And he himself, here comes the big word, is the propitiation for our sins and not only for ours, thank God, but also for those of the whole world. Our friend who just spoke here Tuesday night, Dr. R.T. Kendall, says the blood of Jesus does two things. There's expiation and propitiation. Those are two big words. Let me just spend literally two minutes on these for just a moment. Because expiation is important. It's, it's another word for atonement. It's what the blood of Jesus does for us. It washes away our sin. That's the hymn. When you sing what can wash away my sins, nothing but the blood of Jesus, you're speaking about the expiation power. You're speaking about the atonement of what the blood does. But that word that's used here, propitiation, is a different word. It's another word for it. It's called satisfaction. It's what the blood does for God. It turns away God's wrath from us because the blood of his son satisfies justice from heaven. This is what makes the cross of Christ so important that we can't fix it ourselves. Let me just give you this last big word that's thrown into this whole mix, and it's the word substitution. Substitution refers to the fact that Jesus was literally doing everything on our behalf. He was dying in our place on the cross. But see, there's no need for a substitute. There's no need for a propitiation. There's no need for expiation if we can fix our own, if we can fix our own sinful condition. That's, that's why this is so important. See, that's why, folks, listen carefully. The crime, the crime of man is to try to look good without being good. Can I just help you and help you save some money here? You, you, can, you can tuck, you can suck, you can have a six-pack, you can pay you can pay um, doctors to make your face, you can put neat, you can do everything, but if it doesn't fix the inside, you're wasting it all. You're wasting everything. <laughs> Folks, I'm just telling you, I, 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 you have to understand that. Let, let me explain it to you this way. Uh, one of the, I, I remember when I first got into ministry, the first car that was given to me, I, I wasn't, I didn't have very much, so someone gave me a car. And um, it was, it was a, called a Chrysler K car. It was awful. It, in fact, let me tell you why it was awful. It was a yellow station wagon with brown paneling sides. It was the bench seats. How many remember the bench seats on there? That, that there was no bucket seats. You all had to, everybody had to move up together on the seat. How many old people remember the bench seats? And, and if you didn't move right, it would click on an angle and you're going like, Come on, unity is one. As one, we move up as one. And, and that's what I had. Folks, it, it, was, it was so bad. I, this is, I'm telling you this before the Lord. It was so bad. All the engine lights were coming on. I literally took a piece of paper and taped it over the dash so I wouldn't even have to look at it. It was just, it was, it was horrible. 
and here's the deal. I could have taken that car and I could have put on, what if I would have put giant speakers in the back? And what if I would have put stripes and repainted it from yellow and then had stripes? And what if I put giant rims on it and, and went down? Can I just tell you, it's still a K car. It's not going anywhere. The engine is all messed up. That's what I'm telling you, is that you can get all dressed up, you can look good, but if you don't have your heart right with God, you are just, listen, you're just a fixed up K car that needs God to come in and change you from the inside out. You need an overhaul. You need God to show up and fix what's on the inside. It's not fixing the outside. That doesn't make us satisfying to God. Coming to church or looking, all those things. There's a debt that we owe. We owe a debt we cannot pay. And that's why God has to fix us. To try to fix the outside while the inside is messed up is to slap God in the face and say, we don't need the cross. I could just say this. There is at least one person in this building says, I need the cross of Jesus. I need the blood of Jesus. I need the atoning work of Jesus. I need Jesus in my life. That's why when people tell me I'm basically a good person, I said, wait, Jesus said, who cannot lie, only God is good. So when people, this is Jesus. So when people tell me I'm a good person, I'm going, wait, either Jesus has lied or you're God. And I know you. I got to go with God on this. One. I got to go with Jesus on this. Because it doesn't work. So if you're, if you're trying to make yourself acceptable to get to heaven by going, I'm basically a good person, the Bible takes that option away from us. You can't, you can't insert that. The Bible contends that we needed the cross because of all the stuff that was going on on the inside. Listen to it. 700 years before Christ died, the prophet Isaiah told us why Jesus would die, why the inside was so messed up that we needed him to come. Listen to the words. It says, he was going to speak about the cross. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely, here comes the cross now. Surely our griefs he bore, our sorrows he carried. And we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging or stripes, we are healed. And then he says this, because then we hear substitution. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to, here comes substitution. Where does it go? To fall on him. The cross proves that we matter to God. It proves it. Folks, make no mistake about it. Whoever's listening, whether you're listening to this on a Sunday or listening to it some other day of the week, all other religions with no exception teach that heaven the afterlife, or whatever they call it, is a result of good works. That you get to come back as, as some prince if your karma is good. You get, to, you get to, or if it's not good, if you didn't do good in this life, then you come back as like an ant. And let me just tell you something. There's others that will tell you, you have to carry this briefcase, and you have to go do this, and you have to do this in order to get to heaven. And I'm here to tell you, that the idea that we get to heaven by what we do for God is throughout every religion of the world. But it is foreign to every religion that God would come down himself, pay the citation because we couldn't pay it, and said, I am going to get them to back to heaven personally. I can't depend on them to get themselves there. I will do it for them. Folks, that's a deal that we get today. Oh my goodness. 
The key word of Isaiah 53 is he takes our griefs. He takes our sorrows, our transgressions, our iniquities. They weren't his, but they were ours. Oh, God is so good. My, the, the best Twitter bio I've ever read says this. My best friend has a scar on each wrist, and he doesn't even remember that I put them there. They're talking about what Jesus did for them. That when he forgave them, he forgot their iniquities. Boy, what a, he, he became the substitute so he could begin to set us free. But we have to understand that. It, it's, it's in one of the classic paintings by Rembrandt called The Three Crosses. People look at it when you come to Calvary and people want see in the art world that if there's anybody who painted this with such precision and with such emotion, it was Rembrandt's Three Crosses. And art critics tell you if that you look, the first thing you see is the center cross, Christ and how he painted Christ. Then your eyes go to the foot of the cross as you see all of the facial expressions, the expressions of sorrow, the expressions of mockery, the expressions of, of literally just from ignorance to anger as they're looking at the Son of God, from the religious to the Romans. But he said, but, the, but what they tell you is this, you cannot help but look in the right-hand corner of the painting. Because Rembrandt does something that shocks even the art critics. He paints himself as one of the people that put him on the cross. He paints himself as the reason why Christ goes to the cross, which reminds us that before we can begin, don't miss this, before we can begin to see the cross as something done for us, we have to see the cross as something done by us. We are responsible. We are responsible. We are the ones that, have, that has caused this. And that's why this is so important for us to understand. Confession and saying what's right here is the starting place for freedom. As we get ready to close, I want... A, I want you to understand how important it is. Now, when I say close, don't get happy. It's, once again, it's a long closing. I just thought I'd make sure you're awake. Confession is the starting place of freedom. Let, let me tell you why this is important. Let's go back to, that, to, the, to the epistle of 1 John. He says something so important. He says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That key word in this is confess. That's the key word. See, when we think of the word confess, we think of a, of a courtroom. We think of a, a, um, a, a two, you know, maybe police officers or lawyers trying to, to, to elicit a confession, coming clean. But the word confess here means more than that. The word confess means to say the same thing to agree with. What he was saying was that if we confess, if we agree with what God says, if we, if we begin to say the same thing God does, he said then cleansing begins to come. Not, not what you think, not your opinion, but what God says. Now here it is. What does God say about the cross and your relationship with God? Let me just give you two verses that are so important. Here they are. Romans 5.10. We were reconciled, that's atonement, to God. How? Say it with me. By the death of his son. Let me give you one more in the same chapter, Romans 5.1. We have peace with God. Here it comes. How? Through Jesus Christ. Church, don't miss this. Here it comes. You, you can't, if you want to be in heaven, if you want a relationship with God, here it is, you can't leave Jesus out of the equation. It can't be you. I'm a good person. I don't hurt anybody. If Jesus is not in your equation with God, then you don't have a relationship with God. I'm sorry. Some of you going like, hey, listen, but I'm, but, but I'm a Muslim. I'm a Jew. I'm a Catholic. I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Protestant. I'm a Baptist. I'm a, 
If Jesus isn't here, let me read it to you again, because I want to agree with what God says. Romans 5.10, we were reconciled to God, here it comes, how? By the death of his son. 5.10, we have peace with God through our denomination. No! Through our temple, no. Through our mosque, no. Through TSC, no. Through Jesus Christ. Listen, you can't leave Jesus out of the equation. How do you get to heaven? I'm a good person. You just missed it. You are not saying what God said. Your confession is wrong. To confess means to agree with what God has said. If you are coming up with your own plans, then you're not confessing. And therefore, according to 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. Then he doesn't do that if we're not agreeing. You can't leave Jesus out of the equation to make friends, to make peace with God. You don't do it by promises. You can't butter them up. It can't be your good deeds. You can't show up. I'm, it's simply at church. I'm telling you folks, when you stand before God, the only, the only way you stand there and are not guilty is I'm here by Jesus Christ. I'm here because of Jesus Christ. If you bring up anything else, it won't work in heaven. I'm here because I'm a good person. Boom, that won't work. If you show up and go, I'm from TSC, don't look for me. Because if you raise your hand and go like, hey, do you remember me? I'm going, I don't know who they are, Jesus. Jesus, in fact, from your words, I never knew you. I don't, I just, I, you know, TSC can't get you there. That doesn't say what Romans 5.1 and 5.10 says. Romans 5.1 and Romans 5.10 says, it's by and through Jesus Christ. See, Jesus was punished for my sin because sin had to be punished. You have to deal with the sin issue. That's atonement. That's the cross. If my sin is not transferred to Jesus, then someone has to pay for it. Why? Here it comes. This is, this is huge. Sin is a crime against God. And all crimes call for justice and must be paid for. You can't just go, yeah, sin, sin, sin. No, no, no. It's a big deal. Sin has to be accounted for. And so if you pull Jesus, the cross, his blood out of the mix, you're in trouble. See, Jesus' death is the acceptable payment for sin. That's what it is. Why is sacrifice necessary for the atonement of sin? Because justice demands it. A crime can't simply be forgiven without a payment or just, I'm sorry. No, there has to be payment for it. And we live in a time where people try to pay with, their, with the wrong currency. Can I just give you three quick payments that God won't accept? This is currency that won't be accepted. Sincerity. I'm sincere. You're great. He doesn't accept that. Some people think that because they mean well that that's enough. Well, I'm sincere. I'm here at the church. Listen, I don't, I don't get everything. I'm, I'm sincere. Great. That, that, doesn't get, that doesn't get the sin issue taken care of. Well, some people go, some people think it's service, that God owes them something because of their basic decency, that if I keep doing this and I serve and I give to the Red Cross and I give to these, these charitable organizations, that God is going to have, from giving to my family, paying the bills, I hear service all the time. I haven't hurt anybody. Folks, that is not what takes care of the sin issue. It's by Jesus and through Jesus. And you have to confess that. That's the cross. That's atonement. And some people feel that the third thing is they, if they feel sorry that God accepts it. As long as I feel bad. Listen, God, that's not how it works. Your service, your sorriness, your, your, and, 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 and your, your sincerity, that's not what gets you there. Or as I heard one pastor say, God grades on the cross, not on the curve. He grades on the cross. You have to go back to the cross every single time. This is where it all starts. Pull out sin, and the gospel is no longer amazing. Pull out sin. You have to understand the power of the blood of Jesus. I was reading the story of a young pastor who was 
going to succeed his dad in the church and it all began to go into a giant um, split in the church was brewing. And it was brewing because of a young lady. Let me tell you the story that I was reading. They said it was one night in a denominational church, a young woman felt the tug on her heart. She responded to God's call, accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior. The young woman had a very rough past involving alcohol and drugs and even prostitution. But the change in her was so clear, so evident, and so powerful. As time went on, she became a faithful member of the church, eventually became involved in the ministry, teaching young children. It was not very long until this faithful young woman caught the eye of the heart of the eye and heart of the pastor's son when he was just an associate. The relationship grew and they became engaged in wedding plans. But the problems began at the moment that while they're engaged, the father retired and said, I want my son to take over. And at that point, half the church didn't think a woman with such a past as hers was suitable for the path to be the pastor's son. So the church called a board meeting. A whole church meeting came together and an open microphone as the people came one by one to the, made arguments and tensions increased. The meeting was getting completely out of hand. Eventually, the young woman sat there on the front row, became so upset she ran out as people kept bringing up her past. She began to cry. And the pastor's son couldn't take it anymore as he watched his wife-to-be just literally just um, destroyed. This is what he said. This is what was documented in the minutes of the church meeting. Said, church, my fiance's past is not what's on trial here. It says, what you are questioning is the ability of the blood of Jesus to wash away every sin. Today, you have put the blood of Jesus on trial. And the question is this, does it wash away sin or not? He said the whole church began to weep as they realized that they had been slandering the blood of Jesus Christ. If the blood of Jesus does not cleanse the other person completely, then it cannot cleanse any of us completely. And that's why, when you think about it, you said it this morning, this afternoon, you, you, you asked the question, you answered your own question when you said this, what can wash away my sin? And your response was what? And then you did another question. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's what's on trial. That's the part to know that our past is forgiven. That's why this is so important. It's the, it's the amazing grace of God. It's the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. Folks, can I tell you as the musicians come as we, as we close here, I want to just tell you the power of that cross, the power of the death of Jesus Christ. It's this power of this death. Do you know what happened the moment he died? The moment Jesus hung on that cross and he died and says, it is finished, and, and his spirit left him. This is what happened. Let me read it to you. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice. That was his, it, it, that said, it is finished, and yielded up his spirit. The moment he died, watch this, what happens. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split. Then it gets crazy. Ready for the next verse? The tombs were open. I don't even know if you knew this. And bodies of the saints who were in the graveyard started to raise up. Listen, talk about a TV show. And coming out of the tombs, after his resurrection, they entered all those saints that came out of the graveyard. My goodness, appeared to many. Now the centurion. And those who were keeping guard over Jesus when they saw the earthquake and the tombs and the veil became frightened and said, truly, this was the Son of God. Folks, he hasn't even resurrected yet. Let me tell you what happens. The moment he dies, here it comes, veil rent in two, earthquake shakes the ground and bodies are coming out of the ground. That's moments after he dies. You know what that tells me? The power of the cross. You ready for this? That 
God, when he ripped the veil, he was saying, religion is not in charge. He was, when he, when he, the, the people rose up, death is not in charge. When the ground started to shake, earth is not in charge. Jesus was going, I'm in charge now. It's my death. And folks, all I kept thinking about is, he hasn't even resurrected yet. And he's already telling us that, that, that this, that the earth is not going to be in charge. Death is not going to be in charge. Religion is not in charge. It is nothing but the cross, nothing but the blood of Jesus that can set any of us here free today. It's nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's why. That's what he's done. Hallelujah. Let me close with this. I probably, I was telling Tyler, our creative director, I said, Tyler, I, I probably haven't said this. I probably haven't shared this for 25, 30 years. I think I shared it a few times after it happened to me. I said, but, but as I was preparing to talk about the cross, I've only had one vision from the Lord, one. And I haven't shared it for decades. I felt strongly to share it today. And, and it, it's, it's, it's something that has so gripped me to want to win men's souls to Christ. It has gripped me. It's the one thing. It's, it's that vision that God has given to me that I'm going. And it, it happened at the very beginning of, of becoming senior pastor in Detroit. And you know the story of going to the Triple X Theater and, and preaching. It, it gripped me. I was, I was 27 years old. We just bought this 900-seat Triple X Theater, surrounded by sin and everything, and, and sin and, and prostitution hotels and, and, and addictions and everything was there. I was on the fifth floor of my apartment building. I, I, remember, I, remember, I remember it like it, was, like it was today. I mean, think about it. This is, folks, this is 30 plus years ago, but I know it vividly. So on the fifth floor of this apartment building, the name of the street was Seward Street. It was a Saturday afternoon and I was preparing. And I have to tell you, I don't know how it happened. The Bible calls it in Acts, calls it a trance. I'm not trying to be weird here. I'm just trying to be as biblical as I can. And I don't know, I know what I saw. And I don't know, and I've, I've, I've assumed, I'm going, God, is this, is this what was happening after you died and, and, and before you resurrected? I don't know. I'm, it's just my, my thoughts. But let me tell you what I had a vision of. As I was in that apartment, apartment 505 in Detroit, Michigan. It was a Saturday. And as I was in prayer, praying for the Sunday services, it, it just came upon me. I was, I was, I was as, it was as if... My mind and my spirit were translated. I was in the bowels of hell. It was the dark. It was, you could see but, and make out forms, but it was just, um, it, was, it was wrong. It was sinful. It was dark. It was in the caves, and you can see the stalagmites and the stalactites, and you can see as these ghoulish figures, these demonic, these fallen angels, hissing and screaming from pain and from, from, from hatred. And I felt like I was just as a spectator, as watching this. It, it was like for, for as far as I can see, myriads of a third of fallen angels, demonic figures. And in the middle of this, of this whole cavern, as there's the smoke and sounds and cries and pain. There was like a, a wood stage in the middle. Nothing was on it. And everybody surrounded it. And then out of nowhere, Lucifer, Satan himself, steps on that stage. And this is the part that gripped my soul. And then he would point to a door, point to a side door. The door would open, and I would watch people from our church who I knew their struggle be brought out one by one. And he'd place them on an auction block while hell 
couldn't wait to put their claws on those people. He'd lead them out with chains. And I remember vividly hearing the, the scream, who will be my highest bidder? And then all of a sudden, hell roared. And you would hear them go, you would hear from all different parts. I, I saw it, it was from all different parts. You'd have, you'd have addiction go, I bid the highest. And then racism, I bid hatred, I bid the highest. Divorce, I bid divorce, highest bidder. And I would watch this gentleman go that I knew was on a verge of divorce. And they would take the chains and they would drag him into, the, into literally the arms of its captor. And then they would bring out, they'd bring out somebody else. They'd bring out a sister that I knew in the church that was struggling, who'll be my highest bidder for her? And you'd hear depression scream, I want her. And you'd hear suicide going, I want her. You win. Highest bidder, suicide. And I'd watch a girl from her arms who are cut up. She's so much pain in her life being drug away into the arms of suicide. And one after the other, hatred, addiction, alcoholism, one after one, drug up to the podium, highest bidder from a demon in hell, and then drug and hear the screams of, of joy from a demon and the screams of horror from the ones being drug away. And folks, it is as clear as I can see as I was watching an auction. I'm watching an auction of the body of Christ. And then from that steel door in the back, there was only one spot where you could see underneath it and out of nowhere light shot through that place and all of a sudden i'm telling you i watched i watched hell back up as light shot across folks they knew and i knew what was behind that door and and as as i stood back as i'm watching and light goes through and demons are standing back because they couldn't step into the light all of a sudden, that back door didn't open up. Someone like kicked it open. And all of a sudden, I watched the Lamb of God, the Son of God, walk through and simply say these one words. He just simply said, I'll be the highest bidder. And I watched him take them, take the chains, and take the people that belong to him, grab every single one of them, and I watched the Lamb of God lead captivity captive and say, they belong to me. My blood has paid for them. My life has paid for them. The cross has paid for them. They don't belong to suicide. They don't belong to depression. They don't belong to divorce. They don't belong to addiction. They belong to Jesus. You belong to Jesus. You belong to Jesus. Stand with me and let's worship him right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good news, good news, good news. Why, why would you want to hold on to being a good person? Let that go. Confess what the Bible says. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. Start there. Say what, what, what happens then, Pastor Tim? Romans 5.1, Romans 5.10. We are reconciled to God through the death, through the cross, through his death. We, are made, we have peace with God by Jesus Christ. But you have to start with the sin issue. If we say the same thing as God says, why, why hold on to fake and phony currency and payment that will never get you to heaven? It'll never get you reconciled with God. You want atonement, or some people call it at-one-ment, which means that the two people come together that have been apart. At-one-ment, it comes together. I'm telling you, when you are in relation with he can break the chains. That, that, that's, that's the wrong statement, not he can. He will break the chains. 
not only want you to be equipped to stand, I want you to be able to equip to speak. You have to explain the cross to people. Don't let people, don't let people lessen the disease of sin. Then there is no cross. There is no cross. I'm here to tell you this. We all have a condition called sin. Not everybody in this place, but a lot of us have already declared bankruptcy. I can't pay it. I can't pay the sin debt. You know what this is a good day for? This is a good day to declare spiritual bankruptcy. I need God today. I need God today. It's a declaration of bankruptcy. Instead of going like, I don't have it. I can't get myself to heaven. I can't get myself fixed. I can't do it. I've tried. So God, I'm going to say what you said. We confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I believe you will be my propitiation. You are my, you are my God that can begin to cover you. You are the atonement. You are the one that comes and fixes what I can't pay. I've got a debt. I can't pay it. But thank God I had someone who paid it for me. That happens today. Those that are online, I want to just, I want to just challenge you. Those that are watching from China, those that are watching from Malaysia, those that are with us watching from New Zealand and Australia, those that are from the UK and Norway, I want to just challenge you today because this, we want to equip you, but we also want to make sure that if maybe someone sent you this link. Maybe you haven't been in church, and now for the first time, you're kind of, this is the closest you've gotten to church, and I want to just, I want to just let you know today, regardless of where you are and who you are, God loves you. Let him fix what you can't fix, what you've tried. Let him do it. Balcony, main floor, let him do it. Let him fix it. Let him change you from the inside out. That's what born again is. Born again, Jesus said this. He just simply said, no man can see the kingdom of heaven, John 3, 3, unless they're born again. It's impossible. So you can't get there by your own ways, your own, your, it has to be by Jesus and through Jesus. And it happens today. It could happen right now. How, Pastor Tim? It's admitting, ABC, admitting that I'm a sinner. B, believing that Jesus was my sin bearer. That's why the cross, crime, what's sin? It's a crime against God, crime against God. And so it has to be paid for. And see, confession, both confessing him as Lord and confessing him, whatever God says, I agree with it. Today, it can happen to you. And I want you, I want, I want that chain breaker to come. I want the forgiver to come and set you free today. I want, I want the life giver to come and to bring life to you. Those that have been stuck in suicide because your ways haven't got out, the depression, this is the day God is going to break those chains today. God's going to break those chains today. What you have tried with prescriptions and promises and, and religion and what you have tried with programs, and you're going like, why can't I get set free? Because you're just putting more stripes and rims on the K car. Today we go fix me from the inside out. With every head up, every eye open, you're going, Pastor Tim, I want that relationship with God. Today, I want God in my life. I want God in my life. I want to start that relationship with God. I've tried every way to get to God, but I realize today I go through Jesus. I want Jesus in my life. I want him in my life today. I want that new relationship with God today. If that's you, with everybody looking around, listen, we've all been there. Look at this stage. We've all, listen, we're all, we're all former sinners. All of us, we're all former sinners. Isaiah, you, all of us, Jay, Junior, we're all former sinners. Here we are, this is us. And you may be out here going like, I may be the only one. There's so many messed up people in this place. Welcome to church. Welcome to church. It's not a museum and it's not a hall of fame. It's a hospital. It's a hospital. If you want a Hall of Fame, find another place. You're going to be greatly disappointed. If you want a museum, find another place. We are just a bunch of people that need Jesus, the blood of Jesus. 
And if you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, I want that relationship with God. I want to be born again. I want God in my life. I've tried all the other currencies, but today I want Jesus. With, that, with everybody looking around, balcony, main floor, if you'd say, Pastor Tim, when you pray that born again prayer, I want to be part of that. Without any hesitation, if that's you, hold up your hand. Just say, put me in that prayer. Hold it up high. Hold it up high. Look at all these over here, over there, over there. Keep them up high. I want to make sure it's got you back there, over there. A whole bunch of you in that section over there. I see about 10, 15 hands over there, over there. Balcony, I want to make sure I see. Thank you. That whole row right over there. All the way in the back over there in the balcony. Over there, I got you. Thank you. God bless. That's fantastic. Can we thank God for what he has done in these lives? And online, you just type the word, making it, you're deciding. Come on. Can we all pray this together? Come on, let's say this together. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. You faced hell for me, so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Come on, I say this loud. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. And be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.